Ksuvas, Perik Dalad, Mishnah Dalad 4.4, and this Mishnah first discusses the various zuchuyos, the rights that a father has with respect to his daughter. We're talking here about a daughter who is a, a, either a katana or a na'ara. After she becomes a bogeris at 12 and a half, then she's her own woman, and he has none of these claims on her. Um, and then we'll talk about transitioning to being the wife of another man, how he has certain additional rights uh, beyond those of a father. So the Mishnah says, Ha'av zakai bebito The father has the right to get whatever financial benefit there is with respect to her getting married to somebody else, except in Kedushin. So that means that uh, while she's still a katana or nara, whatever financial interest there is um, in the marrying the daughter, the father gets. So if the husband says, you know, give me your daughter as a bride and I'll give you, you know, two camels. So those camels belong to the father, not to the bride, but the father has a right to get that. And that's true, Bekesef, Bishtar, Uvavia, whatever means of Kenyan the husband is using in order to effect this first stage of marriage called Kedushin, Erison, um, the financial benefits, the perks go to the father. Um, so that means uh, if there's a ring going to be given, so to speak, the ring actually goes to the father, that's Kesef. Shtar means the actual contract, the piece of paper that says that they're getting married, that this commitment's happening. So again, that contract might be worth something, you know, if you need it as a, a cork to plug into your bottle of wine or something, so, you know, corks cost 10 cents, so this worth 10 cents, the point is it's the father's 10 cents, not the daughter's. The same goes Babia, if, although it's us or Medirabana to do so, if the father makes the arrangement that the way in which they'll affect this marriage is through Bia, he will sleep with the daughter to affect the Kedushin, so then, again, whatever their concessions made with that, like the, the two camels, whatever it is, so those camels are going to the father. In addition, he has three other Zuchuyos, which will enumerate now, all of which pass on um, to her new husband. So those three are V'zakai b'mitziasa v'masiyadea He has the rights regarding what she finds, uh, what she produces, and the annulments or the cancellation of her vows. So let's talk each one in turn. Mitziasa means the things that she finds. So if she finds a $50 bill on her walk outside, that $50 belongs to the family. She should give it to her father. She can't keep it for herself. Um, the reason for this is that Takanas Durabana, the rabbis were concerned of Ava, resentment, enmity between the father and daughter. Since we're counting on the father to feed his daughter, and he does that out of his own, normally speaking, out of his own um, free will and out of his you know good graces, he takes care of the daughter. So what we don't want to happen is that the father resents the daughter and refuses to provide for her you know, food, clothing, etc., um, which might happen if he was resentful because she found something that he wants, but she won't give it to him. And therefore we say that whatever she finds, the rabbi said, should go to the father. That being the case, that's how Rashi learns. That being the case, hypothetically, if the girl's not being supported by her father, she's independently wealthy or she's moved out or who knows what, so then um, she isn't supported by him and therefore not concerned about him cutting off support and therefore what she finds is hers to keep. That's how Rashi learns. Um, Tosfos um, point out there is really a different reason to be concerned, um, which is since the father has the rights to decide to whom she gets married, he could, in theory, um, if he's you know vindictive and angry at her, he could marry her off to a manuval or mochashkin, someone who is um, ugly either on the inside or the outside. And that being the case, um, she's sort of vulnerable to him, so we don't want this 
vulnerability to be exploited, which might happen if he's resentful, and therefore we want to minimize any resentment, any Ava, so therefore whatever she finds again goes to him. According to that shot, according to Tulsa's shot, that would apply even if she's no longer living um, in his house or being provided food from him. Second of all, Masiyadeha, means what she produces with her hands. Again, that refers to both um, any product or uh, labor she produces. That means if she's um, waiting tables uh, as a waitress or if she's building tables in her little home table-making factory, um, the proceeds, meaning that you know her wage as a waitress or the tables she's producing, all go to her father. Um, that's learned now from the basic calculus that if he is authorized and empowered to to sell her into servitude and get money for that, so he certainly um, has a claim to whatever production she um, whatever she produces as a as a worker or laborer until she's twelve and a half years old. And third of all, he has the right of Hafaras Nadara. He can cancel her vows. That means on the day he hears that she took on to whatever it is, no longer eat meat or something, she takes a formal vow, I'll never eat meat again, meat's forbidden to me. So then he can say, nope, 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 I'm canceling that. And then from the cancellation on forward, she's no longer bound by that by that nether. Um, that's in contrast to the Hataras Nadaram, which is done by uh, a bezin of three or even one expert who would retroactively say that the, the, um, the vow was never binding, but that requires like other, maybe Pesach or something. It requires some sort of um, harata that they can, only under certain circumstances, can a Chacham undo her vow. But a father can undo under any circumstances on the day he hears of it. So those three things, um, he has um, special rights in his daughter until she's past 12 and a half. In addition, Umakabal um, Gita, he is able to accept a get on her behalf, in order to sever her marriage. Um, again, remember we're talking in this whole section here about a girl who is um, not yet uh, Nesua. She hasn't married another man and moved in with him. Once she does that, she's her own woman, and she belongs to the new household, and her father has no claim on her rights over her or jurisdiction over her whatsoever. But um, before that happens, meaning if she's just done a Rusa, she has just been um, the first step of marriage, so she's legally married but not functionally married. So then... Um, there's a drasha, the drasha's v'yatza v'haisa, which basically boils down to the fact the same way that um, she gets into marriage, she can go out of marriage, and since the father can accept the kedushin on her behalf, he can accept the get on her behalf. So that means if you have a woman, or a girl, I should say, who's 12 and a half or less, who was mukudeshes, um, but then her husband has second thoughts and wants to divorce her, the husband can give the get to her father, and her father can receive it on her behalf, and then she'll be automatically, even not as a shliach, just the father will receive it and she'll become uh, a divorce. So he can accept that. And finally, he, the father, cannot eat or benefit from her assets even at all during her lifetime. So that means that if you have a situation in which this girl somehow managed to have some assets of her own that don't belong to her father, um, so for example, let's say that um, her mother dies and after her mother dies, her mother, her mother was an only child, and um, let's say she's an only child, so then after that, her mother's father, her maternal grandfather dies. Since the maternal grandfather has no other children, and she's the only heir, so she would inherit her grandfather's farm. 
So now she owns the farm. The point of a mission here is she owns the farm, and Eino Ochel Peros Bechaya, while she's alive, her father has no claim on that farm and can't even, you know, get any benefit from, you know, he can't sell the apples that grow on the farm, etc. Um, if she dies and she's still living in her father's home, so then her father will inherit her, like any any child um, who has no spouse or children of their own. So um, it'll go it'll go to the father. But that's only once once she dies during her lifetime, he has no use or allowed to use of the uh, the farm that was hers. In contrast, Nisses, once she gets married and now lives as a wife with her husband, Yasser love Habal, the husband has additional rights in addition to what the father had. So aside from those three that the father had, which were enumerated before, that what she finds and what she produces and the ability to cancel her vows that the father has, the husband also has. In addition, the husband has other rights. Um, for starters, he's he will be allowed to have that usufruct benefit. He can be ochel the peros of the even the nechsim malug while she's that she brings to the marriage. So the farm she inherited from her grandfather. Now the husband um, may take the apples that grow on the farm and sell them and use the proceeds for himself um, while they're married. He, the husband, is obligated to provide for her mazonos, her food, and also her clothing, and medical attention, etc. So, and that's an obligation. Some learn that's a dorais obligation um, from a pasuk. Uh, from Sher Ksusa Onasa, and others um, learn at the bottom. But in either case, for sure, the husband is obligated to provide for his wife. And also, Befir Kona, he has to be a porek, he has to um, redeem her if she's being held ransom. So he has to pay the ransom to get her back. Um, that's an obligation all to itself. More about that in Mishnah Ches. But he has an obligation to, he can't just walk away and divorce or something. She, he has to first pay the ransom and get her back. He has to be, um, he must pay for her kvura, for her burial. So that's both the effort of arranging for the burial as well as paying for whatever costs are involved in the funeral procession, acquiring the funeral plot, etc. It's all an obligation that the husband has to his wife. Now, on that last point, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Afilu Ani um, Rebuta says even the poorest poor person, poorest Jew, still has no fewer than two flute players and one like kind of professional crier um, as part of the funeral procession. The idea being that the flute playing sets the mood and then you have this professional konenes, this woman who's like wailing, um, that since she's crying sort of, plus the flute's playing, everyone's kind of start crying. And that's the mood that they want to create for the burial, that everyone should, you know, be sad at the loss of their, their loved one. So, Rebuta says that's a bare minimum. Now, the machlokas between the Tanakama and Rebuta here is something kind of technical, uh, which is what happens if her family's custom is to not have these flute players in the Konanes, but his family's custom is. So, the rule is that um, it's called Ola Imo, she goes up in social status with him, which means if if he can afford it because he's wealthy uh, relative to where she's coming from, he'll have to um, pay for his own family minhagim, even if her family's minhagim were different, which means we're saying that uh, even if her custom was in her family, don't do this flute playing, etc., um, he, if, if he can afford it, he has to. Now, 
according to Tanakama, that's true when she's when she's alive, but when she's dead, the obligation of of Ola Imo that she's you know rises up to meet him in terms of his social status and financial status um, falls away. So then, then the husband now is entitled to say, listen, her family's custom is to not have these professional funeral um, flute players and and crier, and therefore I'm not going to pay for it. We won't do that at the funeral because that was her family's custom. Whereas um, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. He says that this principle applies of Ola Imo applies even after her death, which means if he can afford it, then he certainly has to do the funeral procession in a way that meets the standards of his family and his side of the family. I mean, at all events, no matter what, that would mean, says Rabbi Yehuda, no fewer than two flute players and one professional whaler. And if he could afford more, he'd have to do uh, more than that as well. The halach on this last point is that um, Chazal required her to him to arrange for her kvura in exchange for the fact that she's bringing in whatever you know dairy she's bringing in. Therefore, he has to pay for everything um, according to according to the standards of what could be afforded. So he has to pay for her, you know, of course, her matzeva, her funeral store, and so on, as well as at least these. If it's the custom of the of the place where they live, if it's normal, he also then has to also pay, regardless of um, her family's custom, for these flute players and the uh, the mourners. Um, but nowadays, since that's not really customary anyways, of course it doesn't apply.